Greetings. Welcome across America. It is Eric Erickson, like it or not. <laughs> the phone number, if you want to call in, uh, there are literally all the phone lines are open, so you can call in, and we'll be generous with phone calls today. 877-973-7425. 877-973-7425. If you want to call in, happy to have you. Uh, there is some intriguing polling out that I want to spend a little bit of time on. You're not really hearing it in a lot of places, um, even though it made it into the Washington Post, which is fascinating. Nearly two-thirds of Americans say the end of Roe v. Wade represents a major loss of rights for women, a Washington Post Shar School poll finds. But those who support abortion access are less certain they will vote this fall, a sign of the challenges facing Democrats who hope the issue will motivate their base. Fully 58% of the country supports a federal law establishing the right to an abortion before a fetus can survive outside the womb, the standard the Supreme Court enshrined for nearly 50 years and overturned last month. And almost a third of Americans say abortion will be one of the single most important issues shaping their midterm vote. That's less than the 39% calling rising prices a top issue, but higher than the 23% issue citing crime and 20% citing immigration. Now, follow along with me here. Follow along with me. In June, the Supreme Court ruled that there is not a constitutional right to abortion, overturning the court's 1973 decision and allowing states to decide whether abortion should be legal. Do you think the court's ruling represents a major loss of rights for women in America or not? 65 say yes, 35 say no. What they do not ask is do you think that's a good thing? Because some people would say yes and they're okay with it. Do you support or oppose a federal law establishing the right to have an abortion before a fetus can survive outside the womb, which is 22 to 24 weeks into a pregnancy. 58 say yes, 42 say no. Do you support or oppose a federal law establishing the right to have an abortion before a fetus can survive outside the womb, which is 22 to 24 weeks into pregnancy? Curiously enough, they add the which is 22 to 24 weeks into a pregnancy. Most Americans, according to every other poll, say 15 weeks is good. How important will each of the following be in your vote in November? Rising prices, 39%. Abortion, 31%. Crime, 23%. Immigration, 20%. Now, larger question here that they don't really get into is... How many of those people who say abortion is a big issue are pro-lifers? They don't do that. Now, how likely are you to vote in the November election for the House, the Senate, and governors? Republicans say 74% likely. Democrats, 62%. Independents, 53%. Now, pay attention here. Pay attention here. This is where the problem comes in, and this is what I'm getting to with the polling. 
Democrats are hyping a Washington Post poll, this Washington Post poll, that shows that 65% of Americans believe it's a major loss of rights for women to end Roe v. Wade. What the Democrats are downplaying in this poll is the demographic data. How likely are you to vote in November? Only 62% of Democrats say they're likely to vote compared to 74% of Republicans, 53% of independents. But now look at the data on abortion and how it's broken out. If you believe abortion should be illegal, you are 66% more likely to go vote in November. What about those who say abortion should be legal? Only 55% likely. If you believe that abortion, is the, the Roe v. Wade ending, is not a major loss for women's rights, you are 70% likely to vote. If you think ending Roe is a major loss for women's rights, you're only 52% likely to vote. Now, for perspective, 58% of American registered voters say they're going to go vote in November. So uh, fewer Americans who care about abortion rights are going to go vote than registered voters. That's not a good number for Democrats. Democrats say they see it as a winning issue, but these numbers right here are not good for the Democrats. They are exactly what I've been telling you. I told you this was the case. Here's the thing. If you are an abortion rights supporter, if you are an abortion rights supporter, you are a Democrat. You have been for some time. And if you are a pro-life activist, you are a Republican and you have been for some time. So all that this poll is telling us is that Democrats are less likely to vote in November than Republicans. This is not the data the Democrats wanted. And this puts in perspective all of the other polls that show a Democratic rebound. If the Democrats are having a rebound because of the Dobbs decision, why is it that according to the Washington Post polling, people who are upset that abortion has been ended are less likely to go vote? You're not going to see a rebound in the polling for the Democrats among people who think they are less likely to go vote because of abortion. Who is more likely to go vote, according to the Washington Post? People who are pro-life, people who are okay with the end of Roe, people who think abortion should be illegal. Those people are voting at a higher rate than people who think it should be legal and people who think this is a major setback for women. So if you have a bunch of polls that show Democrats are rebounding and you have a poll that specifically shows pro-abortion activists are less likely to go vote than Americans in general, you can't say the Dobbs decision is what caused a rebound in the polling. What's way more likely, and if you look at a 2020, 2018, 2016, 2014, 2012, 2010, 2006, uh, 2008, 2004, 2002, you see the same thing. Go all the way back to the Bush administration, you see the same thing. What is it? The end of the summer, the beginning of the fall, there's a Democratic rebound in the polling. Why? Because Republicans are on vacation and getting their kids back to school. What's remarkable about this polling is that I've been telling you all this was the case all along. And Democrats were like, no, 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 no. It's not true. It's not true. It's not true. It's not true. 
Which political party, the Democrats or Republicans, do you trust to do a better job handling abortion? Neither 39% beats out the Democrats at 35 and the Republicans at 26. Should a person who lives in a state that bans abortion and decides to travel uh, be punished by the state from which they came? 81% say no, of course not. Americans understand you could be able to go to other states, do things that are legal there, criminal in your state, and not be punished. That's a loser for the Republicans. That's pretty much unanimous. Pro-lifers and pro-abortionists all agree on that issue. But I've been telling y'all, and so many people doubted me. So many people said it wasn't so. And here's the polling from the Washington Post designed to get a favorable response on abortion. And even a poll by the Washington Post and a college designed to get a favorable opinion on abortion shows that if you are pro-abortion, you are less likely to vote than a pro-lifer in November. What's happening with the summer polling is what happens with the summer polling. Democrats rebound because Democrats are home, they're childless, and they're engaged with pollsters. Democratic pollsters themselves admit the polling has a Democratic bias these days. And the Republicans, despite that Democratic bias, are still ahead in the generic ballot right now. According to 538, a site run by liberals, Republicans are still 85% chance of taking back the House and slightly more than a 50% chance of taking the Senate. And yet the media is in the bubble for abortion. So the media is covering this as if it's the only thing that matters when the economy matters so much more to so many people. Speaking of all of this, Justice Sam Alito was given a speech last night and he mocked the global reaction uh, to the Dobbs decision that he authored. Over the last few weeks since I had the honor this term of writing, I think, the only Supreme Court decision in the history of that institution that has been lambasted by a whole string of foreign leaders (laughs) who felt perfectly fine commenting on American law. One of these was uh, former Prime Minister Boris Johnson, but he paid the price. Post hoc ergo propter hoc, right? <laughs> but others are still, yeah, are still in office. President Macron and uh, Prime Minister uh, Trudeau, I believe, are too. But what really wounded me, what really wounded me was when the Duke of Sussex addressed the <laughs> United Nations and seemed to compare the decision whose name may not be spoken with the Russian attack on Ukraine. <laughs> the Duke of Sussex comparing the end of, of Roe with the, the invasion of Ukraine. Um, what, what, uh, dim-witted royals should just keep their mouths shut so people don't realize they're dim-witted. Uh, Alito, a very bright guy, and he clearly was having fun with that speech. Uh, you know, what's striking to me is how rarely do you hear the voice of a Supreme Court justice. 
Clarence Thomas is the one. I love Clarence Thomas's voice. He's just got this very bassy, deep, booming voice and hearty laugh. I love listening to him speak. He's such a great guy. Uh, but you rarely hear these justices from the Supreme Court speak, so you rarely hear their voices. But uh, Alito, loud and clear, he's not He's not stepping back. He's not distancing himself. You've got a number of people who are slamming the court for it still. you got justices on the left suggesting the court's credibility is at stake here because of it. They're not backing down on this nor should they back down. They should find the leaker and prosecute the leaker of the case. But the bottom line here is despite all of the wishes, all of the hopes, and all of the dreams of Democrats that they will be saved by the Dobbs decision, the Supreme Court will give them political fodder. It's not. Not going to happen. They're not going to be saved. And then you have people like Stacey Abrams, speaking out on the issue. Oh, I got to rewrite the soundboard. Here we go. Fix the soundboard. Fire up the sound, Erickson. Let's go. Well, uh, the way they've queued up the audio here, I can't play it for you. It's left channel audio. She says, I grew up in a family that I grew up in a community that often took an anti-abortion position, but my parents sent me to college. They didn't send me there to learn about abortion. They sent me there to learn about the broader world. And there I met friends who shared my religious beliefs and we shared conversations and I evolved on the issue because I learned more. Don't you love that? She learned more. So she's better than you. She learned more. So she's smarter and more sophisticated than you. That's not going to play well. Abortion is not going to win this for Stacey Abrams in Georgia. You know, uh, even the media is saying that this race now leans Brian Kemp pretty decisively uh, in Georgia. She's not going to win, folks. And the reason she's not going to win is she overplayed her hand in 2018 and people kind of got burned out. They're ready to move on to something else. They're ready to move on to stability. And she doesn't offer it for them. Abortion politics is not the winner for the Democrats. What it does is it helps their base turn out. It just turns off everybody else. And the Washington Post's own polling now shows that. This is the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. Wherever you are nationwide, if you are involved with a business and you need loans for your business, you're buying or growing a franchise, you're buying a business, you're building your business, you're building a building. You're buying a building. You got options. You see opportunities. And banks are telling you no because they're scared of the economy. Well, First Liberty might be able to help you get to yes. They've been doing this since the 90s. They specialize in helping businesses grow. If you need $750,000 or more for your business, reach out to them. FirstLibertyGA.com. FirstLibertyGA.com. They're in Georgia, but they can help nationwide. Tell them I sent you. See if you're a good fit for them and then for you. FirstLibertyGA.com. This is from Fox News. Biden's Title IX rule could mean your daughter's college roommate will be a man. Of all the uncertainties that college freshmen must face, none is more sensitive than the issue of roommates. You might become best friends. You might go to war over who ate the leftover pizza in the fridge. There's nothing to be taken for granted. At least for now, if the Biden administration gets its way, schools could force biological female students to live with biological men who identify as women. The Department of Education has proposed a new Title IX rule that demands colleges treat students in line with their gender identity, not their biological sex. That means that people who identify as women would live with people who identify as women and people who identify as men would live with people who identify as men. 
a biological man who began identifying as a woman at age 13 could be treated the same as a biological man who began identifying as a woman an hour ago. Both could be allowed to room with a woman who has no say in the matter, nor could the school be obligated to alert her in any way that her roommate is not, in fact, biologically female, according to the proposed rules. What do you all think is going to matter more in November, abortion or this? If you think abortion, I think you're wrong. The culture war stuff from the left is off-putting to a lot of Hispanic and black voters who are shifting to the right. Go back to the polling in Georgia. You know, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution has now um, done a uh, poll that shows that Brian Kemp's polling was right. A significant portion of black voters are not voting for Stacey Abrams. In fact, 25% of black men under the age of 35 are not voting for Abrams. Statistically, it's not a massive amount of um, not a massive amount of men under 35 who are black who will vote. But what's notable is their massive shift. It's more and more and more likely that we are seeing the culture war effects. And remember, we're the ones who are supposedly the culture warriors. If you suggest that maybe we should put gay orgies on hold for two weeks to stop the spread of monkeypox, you're not just a bigot, but a culture warrior. If you believe that boys should not be put into your daughter's door room, you're the, you're the bigoted culture warrior. And yet we're not the warriors. We're not the ones fighting for this stuff. We're just the ones standing put saying, no, this is nonsense. We're not going to go along with it. And if you stand still and dig in your hills, you're somehow a bigoted fighter for culture. And if you're the one pushing this stuff, no, you're the, you're the mainstream. Except people are having a backlash on this stuff. People are having a real backlash on this. I actually, you know, I want to deviate from all the stuff I was going to talk about. I, I want to spend a little bit of time uh, talking about this, just just non-preachy, if you will, but I got to read you a little, one of my favorite psalms. I got to make a point out of it uh, for what's happening in culture right now. Because you really need to understand uh, the culture shift that is happening. And it is a culture shift where college-educated white people who aren't grounded in faith are becoming Democrats, and as the Democrats swell with those ranks, they're pushing out the Democrats who are faith-based. There are a lot of Democrats who are black and Hispanic who believe in God, believe in Scripture, and they're being turned off by these people invading the Democratic Party to get away from the 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 hicks, the rednecks, the rubes, the, the culturally conservative people on the right that they disdain and believe are lack education, that they they look like Stacey Abrams says, I went to college and became pro-abortion because I opened my mind. There's something happening here you should understand. How cool is that? Delta has uh, repainted one of its jets to commemorate uh, the Braves winning the World Series. Got a big World Champions uh, logo on the front of it. Pretty awesome. Uh, my producer also wants you guys to know nobody called today, really. Um, so he was able to eat 20 chicken wings for lunch instead of answering phones. If you called and you didn't get in, his fingers were too slippery to pick up the phones. <laughs> The phone number, if you do want to call in, you, you are allowed, 877-973-7425. Every once in a while I do this, I'm actually curious if you're following me on Twitter, 
would you just ping me on Twitter and, and say hi? Um, I, I'm just I'm interested to see who all I got around the country uh, sometimes do that. Speaking of Delta, by the way, uh, they're adding flights to Cape Town, South Africa uh, again. They used to. And they're getting back to Tel Aviv, Israel, which is kind of awesome. Now, I want to spend a moment, uh, and you know what? I better turn on the camera here because Philip's going to say this should be your Sunday sermon. We hadn't done a Sunday sermon in a while. Uh, this is not my, my time to be preachy to you, but it's, it's my time to kind of explain the way I see the world. Uh, psalm 73 is actually my favorite psalm. There are lots of good psalms, and, and uh, we'll talk about this one for a minute because, you know, with all this stuff, I, I and the reason I bring this up, I have mentioned before, I have noticed a trend. There is this rapid, sudden mainstreaming of drag queen story hour. It really came out of nowhere, didn't it? It became controversial two years ago as Donald Trump was running for president again. And conservatives were complaining about it. My friend David French wrote this piece that you should let them have it in areas that want it and areas that don't don't have to have it. Uh, the problem there is that the left uh, expects everywhere to have to have it. And if you don't have it, you're a bigot. Um, and and all of a sudden, there's this massive embrace of Drag Queen Story Hour. It came out of nowhere. Like three years ago, this was not a thing. And suddenly, even the Washington Post today has a story mainstreaming drag queens and what they do. And how normal it is and bring your kids on and they'll read them stories about transgenderism as a kindergartner and stuff like that. It's bizarre. And it makes me go back to this psalm. Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their heart overflow with folly. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens and their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore, his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the most high? Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. Truly you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. Like a dream when one awakes. O oh Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and arrogant, ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. Nevertheless, I'm continually with you. You hold my right hand. You give me, guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you will receive me to glory. Whom? Have I in heaven but you, and there is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I will tell of all your works. This kind of summarizes my worldview, just so you understand it.
understand me perhaps a little bit more as well. This, this summarizes it. This is Asaph writing. When he talks about the fat and their eyes swollen with fat and the like, the, the rich people were the fat people. The poor people were impoverished and malnourished in Israel. And he saw these people who were, were fat. They had no pangs until death. Their bodies were fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others. They're not stricken like the rest of mankind. Pride is their necklace. Violence covers their garments. Their eyes fell with fatness. Their heart overflows with folly. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten oppression. These are the wokes of the day. My kid has been at a camp at Georgia Tech. I rescued her yesterday. Um, COVID was starting to spread. She didn't want to be up there with COVID. She's talking about uh, one of the kids was a self-declared Satanist. And when asked what that meant, he meant worshiping himself. And then he said he was an atheist. She said there were a number of kids who uh, identified as trans, who bullied the other kids, threatened to cancel them, threatened to wield their power against them, were trying to videotape other kids. And when kids objected to being videoed, they ridiculed those kids, called them nasty names, um, threatened them, suggested they were bigots and the like. This is what Ace, the group of people ASAF is dealing with. And we see it in this world, the rapid normalization of drag queen story hour. The, you're a bigot if you don't take your kid to drag queen story hour. It used to be uh, no big deal, leave us alone. And now it's a you better attend or else. And what ASAF says is, is why do these people prosper? Why do these people who seem to hate my culture and hate God and they declare themselves atheists, why are they the ones getting rich and happy and, and fat? And they're the ones who seem to live the high life. They're the social media influencers the people love. I've had advertisers cancel on me because I'm a Christian conservative and those same advertisers are perfectly fine to subsidize Drag Queen Story Hour. Why? And what ASAF concludes is what I have concluded. It's because God is good. It's because God is good. My favorite book in the Bible is Amos. Now, I have lots of passages in Scripture that are favorite. I've got favorite books in, in the New Testament. Amos is probably my favorite book. And it wasn't until I went to seminary. Uh, and it really, Amos is a book that conservative Christian denominations have tended to avoid because the language in Amos is the language of social justice. Let justice flow like a river, things like that. Uh, the, the, take care of the widows, the poor, the orphans, and the refugees, lines like that. Uh, that. Those are the lines that the progressive church uses. They've embraced Amos as their own, and conservative churches have turned away from it. Amos is a deeply conservative book when you study it. And Amos calls us to social justice, but God-oriented social justice. And Amos comes, he's the very first prophet Jonah is operating about the same time, but but most theologians, liberal and conservative, believe of the prophets, Amos was the very first of the prophets in the Bible. There were ones who came before him that aren't documented. Amos talks about there was a school of prophets in Jerusalem that prophets came from. So there were more prophets. We don't know who all they are. The Bible preserves the important ones. Amos is considered a minor prophet because his book is not very lengthy, but he's the first prophet. And Amos is sent to Israel from Judah. Amos is wealthy. He's not a farmer. You get the idea at the beginning he's a farmer. But when you read more into the book, you realize this was a prosperous plantation owner from Judah, and he is sent to Israel. Now, what had happened is Rehoboam had become the king of Israel, 
And he listened to the young men instead of the old men and was very harsh on the people of Israel. And they said, screw you, we're going to go get our own king and we're going to start our own tribes. And so northern Israel, they split off and Judah becomes a small, poor farm agricultural based community. And then Israel really prospers over time. And Amos, the very first prophet, is sent to Israel at the time of peak prosperity and tells these people, repent, your end is near. And they all laugh at him. Now, what happened is that the king of Israel decides, I got a problem here. If I don't come up with a new religion, these people are going to keep the old religion. They're going to keep the real religion. And they're going to make pilgrimages to the temple in Jerusalem. And when they get to the temple in Jerusalem, they're going to realize that I'm I'm a false king and they're going to rebel and they're going to go back to Judah. So what he does is he begins to peddle a conspiracy. And the conspiracy is that remember back in the Old Testament, remember all the way back to Exodus, there was the golden calf and Aaron and Moses. Well, what happened is the people down in Judah, they concocted this fake religion and they said, follow Moses and these 10 commandments and this Ark of the Covenant that they keep at the temple. But really, Aaron was right. and The Levites are from the house of Aaron and we should follow him. And what did he do? He built the golden calf and we should follow and worship the golden calf. And if we follow and worship the golden calf, then we'll be good to go. And once we, once we set our religion and you go worship at the golden calves and we'll incorporate some of the locals, religious practices, the pagan practices, then, then that's our real religion. And you don't have to go to Jerusalem. You don't have to go make sacrifice in the temple. You go to the golden calves, just like Aaron wanted us to do. And so this conspiracy becomes their religion and they set up, up, um, golden calves and in, uh, Gilgal and in a couple other places. And you go and you make your sacrifices there and they're really, really prosperous. And they see their prosperity as a sign that they're pleasing God. And Amos goes to that really prosperous area, to those really prosperous people who are worshiping the golden calves. And they say, actually, you're about to get destroyed. And they say, well, look at the riches, look at the wealth. Clearly God is blessing us. And Amos says, no, 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 no. He actually gave you some hard times and hoped that the hard times would make you realize you were doing it wrong and you ignored him. So now he's making you prosperous because this is as good as you're going to get it. You're going to be really prosperous until the moment you're destroyed because it's an act of mercy and grace because this is the best life you will ever have unless you repent. So what Amos said is what the psalmist is saying, what Asaph is saying that behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches. Truly you put them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. They are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors, like a dream when one awakes. O Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. That's what's happening. And I see it in our culture too. Our culture has become extremely prosperous. In our prosperity, we have lost focus on the things that matter. In our in our society, we have become hedonists. Many of us, even self-described Christians, they are in love with the riches of the world, and they prosper 
And because they prosper, they think they must be pleasing God. And actually, no, no, no. All of you who are really prospering, unless you're really committed to your theology, and there are rich Christians. I hope to be a rich Christian one day. I hope God will be generous with me and I can be generous with others. But there are a lot of people who say they're Christians. They're not very generous. They have cold hearts and they love the world. They love the things of the world. They are of the world. And what Amos says to Israel, what Asaph is saying to these people is that the reason you are prospering is because it's an act of God's mercy. Because from here on out, it's all downhill. This world is the very best you will have it. You will prosper in this world. Christ said the things of the world hate the things of God. The things of the world hate the things of God. That's why you see the woke so dominant right now. The things of the world hate the things of God. It's why the wokes are always targeting the Christians and not the Muslims, because the things of the world hate the things of God. Worldliness does not clash with worldliness. Worldliness clashes with godliness. You're not going to see them take on all these other religions. You're going to see them take on the Christians. And they will be swept away utterly in terror. It's one reason I don't really get angry with this stuff. It works me up sometimes for sure. It works you up too. But here's the thing. You've already won. You've already won. The world is going to normalize worldliness. We're seeing it with the spread of monkeypox, frankly. A group of people who are of the world engaging in worldly acts, and they're not going to stop. The people who told you to stay away from grandma, take two years to stop the spread, stay home, put on your mask, aren't saying y'all stop having orgies and this stuff goes away. Nope, they can't do it. Things of the world can't clash with things of the world. There are theological, spiritual problems at play here that they can't address. But you, particularly if you're a church-going Christian who believes in Scripture and believes in God and put your trust there, you can speak into the world. You can be a light in the world. You can love your neighbor still, even as you don't conform to the world. And you got to remember that when you look around and you see all of these people who are so hostile to your values and they look like they're doing so well and, and they're prospering, how is it, God? Why are you letting these people prosper? Why are they dominant? Why do they get the big soapboxes? Why do they do it? Just remind yourself. It's an act of mercy. This is the best they're ever going to have it. Correspondingly, this is absolutely the worst you will ever have it in eternity. So remember that and try not to get so worked up when you encounter so much of this, this crazy stuff in the world because you've already won. We hadn't crossed the finish line yet. But the deck is stacked against them and in your favor, and you've already won. So don't be angry. Love your neighbor, particularly those who this is the best they'll ever have it. Love them. Let them see a little light in the world because, well, this is the best they'll have it, according to what Amos said and what Asaph said and what I'm telling you. Just remember, it's an act of mercy for them, and this is the worst you'll ever have it. So be kind to everyone, even those who refuse to be kind to you. Perfect segue to tell you about Patriot Mobile because they're Christian conservatives. Uh, they, they get attacked all the time by the left because they're Christian conservatives. But, you know, they, they've they doubled down on this. They grow their profits, and in growing their profits, they help the conservative movement. You can be a subscriber of their service, and they have guaranteed service. All you do is go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. You go there, you sign up, you get free activation with my name. You can also call them 972-PATRIOT, 972-PATRIOT. 
Uh, you call them, you get free activation. You can bring your phone number, existing phone number over to them, or you can get a brand new phone number from them. If you have an unlocked phone, you can bring that over to them. You get guaranteed service. They have 100% US-based customer service. You get great discounts if you're a teacher, a veteran, a first responder, and then they take a portion of their profits and they give those profits to the conservative movement to amplify and grow your commitment to the causes you care about. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. PatriotMobile.com. It's slash E-R-I-C-K. Or call them 100% U.S.-based customer service, 972-PATRIOT. I got to come up with a recipe for you guys uh, for this week because I forgot to send one out, and I got to send one out. Uh, if you want to text the word recipe, singular, not plural, singular, the word recipe, to 33777. You can subscribe to the list and I'll get you something out. And don't forget about the email list. Uh, text data to 33777. Subscribe to the daily show notes. Um, you should do that now. Um, ah, gosh, I just lost my train. Don't you hate that? I had had a new story I was going to talk to you about and, and then suddenly I lost my compl- I know what it was. I know what it was. Uh, China uh, has issued a very firm statement Uh, to the United States over Nancy Pelosi's trip to China. According to them, let me read you this. Uh, If U.S. fighter jets escort Speaker Pelosi's plane into Taiwan, it is invasion. The People's Liberation Army has the right to forcibly dispel Pelosi's plane and the U.S. fighter jets, including firing warning shots and making tactical movements of obstruction. If ineffective, then shoot them down. Um, that's not a good thing. That's a bad statement. What is interesting here is whether or not Nancy Pelosi is going to go or back down. Uh, China should have no right to dictate who among us goes to Taiwan. But there is a growing sense that uh, China is going to invade Taiwan by the end of this year probably starting World War III in the process, no less, uh, because we will defend Taiwan. What China is seeing is that you got to go in with immediate overwhelming force. Uh, you can't just sit back and, and and do what Russia did and give the world time to turn around it. I'm telling you, uh, they're sensing Biden's weakness. Biden's weakness is going to get a lot of people in the world killed. Such a happy thought to head into the weekend. But here we are. Headed into the weekend. Try not to think about that. Think about happy things. Go see Top Gun. Good movie. Uh, I will be back with you guys on Monday. Have a wonderful, restful weekend. I'm going to go play golf.